This is Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. And I don't think it was too late. For some staff members, it was. Mm -hmm. You know, October was too late. Um, So we just kind of had to work together through the year. Others were able to see that I was trying to come from a place where I really genuinely wanted to do right by them Mm -hmm. and and do what was necessary for the students at Emerson. Um, So, yeah, so that first year, uh, (laughs) there's ever been a time I wish I could have a do over. It would be that year. Hey, Burned In Teachers, and welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast, one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. You just heard Allison Foreman talking about her reflections on her first year as a principal in a new school corporation. Allison and I were connected through a mutual friend, and I am so grateful that I had time to sit and chat with her. She has such an incredible story of how her education journey was really put on a fast track from a teacher to an administrator. And boy, did she learn a lot of incredible lessons about leadership. And in this interview, you'll hear her talk about how self-reflecting and paying attention to survey results from her teachers really made her step back and think about how it was that she was approaching her new position. This is the third week of the February theme for Burned In Teacher for Administration is Burning Me Out. And I can tell you that Allison, from her experience of going from a teacher to an administrator so fast, has such great perspective uh, for not just for principals, but for teachers alike, as far as really considering you know, what the intentions are of an administrator when they make decisions. So let's listen into episode 22 and what Allison Foreman has to teach us about relationships between teachers and administrators. But before we jump into the interview, I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by the Teacher Burnout Quiz. Find out what type of teacher burnout you're struggling with so you can take the appropriate steps necessary to begin to beat it. This quick six-question quiz will help you not only identify what burnout type you are, but I send you results that include action steps you can begin taking today to begin beating the burnout. Go to burnedinteacher.com slash burnout quiz and begin to take control over your burnout today. Now let's get started. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Well, Allison, welcome to the Burns and Teacher Podcast. I'm so, so grateful that you took some time out to share your story with us and um, and the listeners of the Burns and Teacher Podcast. 
Well, I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Allison, you are currently an administrator. I know you're taking some time off to be home with your son, um, but can you tell us a little bit about um, where you started in your education journey and then, of course, where you are now? So, I started 13 years ago uh, in charter. Uh, charter schools is where I've actually been my entire educational career. Um, I started out as a fourth grade teacher. And um, the funny story behind that is I'm actually certified seven through 12. So taking on a position with fourth graders um, and it being my first one, it was a little bit um, going to be an eye-opening experience on its own. Uh, fortunately, I was able to team teach with a veteran teacher because uh, we were waiting for modulars to be put in at the school. They were to be in there by the third week of school and they did not make it in until the last uh we were at three weeks left in the school year before the modulars actually made oh, it in. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, but grateful for that experience because um, working alongside someone so closely, uh, it took a lot of the nerves out because I was able to watch her. She would teach uh, math and science, and then I would teach ELA and social studies. And so being able to be in that room with her and watch her really actually probably made me more successful as an educator. Um, so that's an experience I will always cherish and hold on to. And um, so from there, in the same year, uh, one of our teachers, our sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teacher went on maternity leave. She was a science social studies teacher. And we just could not keep a sub in the classroom. Um, we would have a sub that would show up and uh, they'd go in her room to clean it out and see the desk sitting on the, or the key sitting on the desk, knowing that she wasn't going to come back the next day. So it finally got to the point where um, my, the teacher I was team teaching with, with was also a lead teacher and she had gone to the principal and said, you know, I think this is an opportunity for Allison because she's certified with the older students. Let's see how she would do up there. And immediately it was awesome. It was exactly where I felt at home because I love, I love the older kids. I love the interaction I can have with the older kids. Mm -hmm. um, don't get me wrong. I love the babies. I love the hugs, but there's just a different thing with the older ones. And there so, is for sure. It's just, I love it. And that's just always kind of what's driven me um, to kind of continue in the career that I want, you know, that I've taken on because as that year continued, um, you know, and the students actually realized I wasn't going anywhere. That was their, that was the first thing I had to overcome because they were ready for me to leave because mm -hmm. everybody else had been. And, you know, I told them, I think it was the second day and they said, so when, when do you plan to leave? And I said, well, I'm not, I, I will be here mm -hmm. uh, until they kick me out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they just, they didn't believe it. They just, they, they didn't believe it. Well, that continued and I was able to stay in that role until that teacher came back from maternity leave, which would have been about um, November-ish. And um, at that point, the ELA teacher for 6th, 7th, and 8th grade wasn't doing very well either. She was having a lot of issues. And so the principal decided that we would officially switch roles. I would take on 6th, 7th, and 8th grade ELA and she would take my 4th grade position uh, in the classroom. And so... Um, that actually worked out tremendously. We grew test scores from 30% to 76% by the end of that school year with those kiddos. So um, needless to say, I learned a lot mm -hmm. in that first year. So I was able to come into my second year of teaching, teaching 6th, 7th, and 8th grade ELA again. Um, so I went the whole year in the same role. It was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as a teacher, I kind of became a go-to then for the teacher around me uh, because uh, they just kind of could see that I could be one that could 
help them Mm -hmm. as well as work with the kids. So a lot of times, you know, if they had any issues with kiddos, I'd help them out. If we needed to talk data, I was the first in there giving pointers and whatnot. And so going into my third year, I was prepped to teach sixth, seventh and eighth grade ELA again, when um, management approached my principal and let him know that they were going to give him an assistant. And he asked me then to be his assistant principal. So going into my third year, I was moved into the role of assistant principal. And I remained in that role for two years. It was a huge learning curve because again, I was used to working with older students and here I'm in a K-8 building. Mm -hmm. So I was having to understand the needs of a five-year-old versus the needs of a Mm 12-year-old. And uh, sometimes the 12-year-old was a little needier, I found out. But regardless, it was a big learning curve. And so I, I... Went back to school, decided to get my curriculum master's at that point because, you know, I wanted to keep myself in the loop of what's going on. How can I keep myself fresh with everything? And um, so, yeah, so I got my master's during those two years as assistant principal. Was getting ready to go into my third year as assistant principal when, um, yep. So I have a question about that. So you were talking about the needs of the students, but how did the teachers at that school how did they respond to a second year teacher? Well, almost a third year teacher taking on an administrative role. I mean, I'm assuming Um, as the assistant principal that you worked more with the students, but how, how did they receive that? You know, how did you feel about that as well? If you're burned out, I'll bet you catch yourself saying things like, no one can possibly understand where I'm coming from or What's wrong with me? This is what I went to school for. Why am I so miserable? And even things like, if I tell anyone how I'm feeling, they'll think I'm being negative. I am so burned out. Maybe I'm just a negative person. But saying these things doesn't solve the real issues you're struggling with. You have to do something. Teachers from all over the world have joined the Burned In Teacher Facebook group for reasons such as, there's too much to do and no time to do it or my administration doesn't offer any guidance or support for me or my class is out of control plus many many more reasons these are all issues that we tackle in the burned in teacher small group program starting april 8th the doors are open again for another burned in teacher tribe of teachers who want to join this group and start taking control over their burnout Throughout this eight-week program of support, you won't just get access to me, but also access to Burned In Teacher mentors who have finished the program, as well as the current members who are in your tribe. We will have weekly group calls, access to our Burned In Teacher Tribe members-only Facebook group, and of course, a Burned In journal to help you to document your reflections and actions throughout the program. For more information or to read and watch testimonials from past Burned In Teacher Tribe members, go to burnedinteacher.com slash B-I-T coaching. That's burnedinteacher.com slash B-I-T coaching to get all of the information that you need to decide whether or not the Burned In Teacher Small Group Program is right for you. Doors are open now for you to register for the April Tribe. Let me take you from burned out to burned in. (laughs) <laughs> I feel it's a very loaded question um, <laughs> because honestly and truly the staff was excited because they knew we needed an assistant mm-hmm. and because they were already seeing how much I was interacting with all of the kids. Anyways, I was helping out all the various teachers. Um, 
my classroom was actually, so we had two buildings. We had a front building and a back building and you had to go across the parking lot to get to the other building. I was the only middle school classroom in the front building, which housed our K four kids. Um, and it was because it, it, it was the old cafeteria. We weren't using it. Um, we had so many kids that we were having to eat lunch in our classrooms um, because the modulars hadn't been put in yet. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, I cannot um, imagine. Right. So I was, I was a middle school teacher, a K, um, and even with the big kids, because the K four teachers were very nervous about that. You know, they were nervous about their little ones being around the older students. Mm-hmm. I was able to be a go to even for them because I was able to get my my students um, being role models for their kids. So a lot of times I was buddying them up together. I was um, starting different reading program initiatives, um, and then on again. If those teachers were having any kind of an issue, let's say behaviorally, um, they would ask, you know, can kids come and sit in my room? And I, again, we're talking second graders that might be in a sixth grade classroom, mm-hmm. but nobody feared that they were intermixing because everything was controlled. Everything mm-hmm. was how it should be. And so because the teachers were so used to be j- just jumping in and helping anyways, it was kind of like this, you know, I think we it's all kind of like a like natural transition. Yeah. yeah. Everybody was on board with it because, they, again, they were like, well, you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. Now you can do it a little bit easier because you're not trying to run a classroom. At the same mm-hmm. time. Yeah, that shows a lot about your maturity um, to going into that role because I cannot even imagine going into an administrative role after my second year of teaching. Like I was still trying to understand life, <laughs> and I think that's the part where it's loaded because yeah. you know I was so young that mm-hmm. I was like, yes, this makes total sense. <laughs> why wouldn't I quickly be promoted and take on an administrator? Like I just didn't even think about it. I didn't think of it as being any different than what I was already doing. It was mm-hmm. just more, it was just on a bigger scale. That's yeah. all. Yeah. And um, so I really didn't look at it as, I don't know, I guess I just didn't internalize principal, you know, assistant principal. I just looked at it as sweet. I get to work with everybody. Like this yeah. is great. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So now I can continue to learn myself from everybody else, you mm-hmm. know? So in those first two years, um, really that's kind of how I viewed it. I looked at it as opportunities to be in other people's classrooms to see how they were doing it. Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. if I ever went back in the classroom, I had more ideas because yeah, <laughs> I'd only done it for two years. <laughs> um, so that's, that really was, I think what helped guide me through those two years. And then going back to school, going back and get, getting my curriculum degree, um, it just further helped that because it, it allowed me to better understand how to understand the other standards Mm -hmm. and what goes into that and how can I be bridging those gaps better between, you know, when they're coming from fifth grade into sixth grade or they're coming from second into third, you know? So I just feel I was able to give insights that the staff was, was needing. And so it just kind of worked itself out. Yeah. Which really is, which really is something that, you know, should be considered in my opinion, by by more administrators, really trying to understand the ins and the, and the outs of what those teachers are are going through every day, you know. Um, so that's that's really really interesting. So it's my understanding though that you did not stay then at that school as an administrator. Well, so, I did. St- I went into. I was promoted into the principal role there, and I stayed there for five years. Okay. Then as principal, so that's I was right. there a total of nine years at at uh, that school. Mm-hmm. So yep. did you, did your role, I mean, obviously your roles and responsibilities change, you know, because of your title. Um, but so things continued smoothly for those nine years working with those teachers that you basically grew up with for the most part. I'm sure you had some come in um, that were new, but. 
So I would say my toughest year came in my third year as principal because that was when Dayton Public was having a mass exodus of teachers. They were all retiring. And so everybody was looking to go into district. Mm -hmm. And I literally had almost, I think, a 90% turnover in staff that year. And that's where, unfortunately, we couldn't compete. You know, I couldn't compete mm -hmm. with salary, benefits, you know, those things that make the day-to-day -day a little bit easier. And Absolutely. I totally get that. Mm -hmm. um, and these are people I still keep in contact with today. You know, we built such a strong base with each other. Um, you know, I, and, and it was, and they always knew it was never anything personal when they left. This is what they needed to do for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, but that third year, rebuilding a staff when I've never had to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and... I was doing it without an assistant. So here I came in as an assistant, but then I wasn't given an assistant. And so I'm learning the role as principal. I'm figuring it all out. And then my third year, my world was turned upside down. We can put it that way. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I kind of had to figure it all out from scratch. And that's when I started feeling the, the if I can say, the burnout for oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Because yes. That was, was my next question. So was this yeah. when you went through a season of burnout yourself as it an administrator? Was. And it was actually really hard to bounce back from, you know, I went, I ended up getting, you know, having my daughter, um, towards the end of my third year and, um, you know, came back in that fourth year, really just kind of not feeling it the same way that I had been. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously it was different obligations at home and now trying to balance that at work. Well, I was just going to say, so you had another layer on top of this, um, all of these changes that were happening at your school, you now yes. add the layer of a family change and yes. having another baby. I can speak from from experience. I'm sure a lot of listeners can too. When you add a new baby into the mix, when you're already struggling, it's like, right. I think of Jim Gaffigan's joke, you know, having a baby is like swimming, like you're drowning and then someone hands you a baby. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, now <laughs> yeah. So how did you, um, that, that is so hard. I can totally relate to that feeling of just feeling like something is so off and your world being turned upside down and you just don't know how to, how to deal, you know? So how did you, how did that feel? And then how did you bring yourself out of that? Um, to be very honest, it took a while. Um, you know, I kind of became that person that nobody wanted to sit next to anymore because I just felt myself oozing negativity. You know, mm -hmm. I was, you know, I'm expected to do this and I don't have the resources. I'm expected to do that, but you know, I have the largest out of all the buildings and they're trying to treat us like we're one of the smaller schools. I mean, I had all the excuses. I had everything flowing out of my mouth and I, it was one of those things I, I almost couldn't stop myself. Mm -hmm. And I can tell by the people, you know, sitting around me, they're like, oh my God, here she comes. It was almost like, don't make eye contact so we don't have to sit next to her because I just was like, but I had to get it out so badly, but I didn't know the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. So it just came out as just negative diarrhea out of the mouth. Like yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was the only way I could, I can formulate that because it was just, it was such a low point for me in my, in my career because I, I could, I couldn't refill my pitcher and I couldn't turn it around. So then as we neared the end of my fourth year, you know, I kind of gave myself a, another pep talk over summer. I started, you know, implementing, I was like, you know what, let's see what new stuff I can add for this coming year. What kind of new programs can I look into? Um, you know, the teachers have been presenting a lot of really good ideas. Let's see what we can get going for this year. And mm -hmm. then as much as I tried everything I could, it just wasn't turning around it, you know, mentally it just wasn't turning around. And I was, I, I think I then started attributing it to, I'm not growing anymore either. I'm having to do all this for myself and I wasn't getting now what I needed to continue myself growing as a true leader, as a true administrator. Um, 
to make sure that I was leading my building correctly. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized maybe it's just time for a different environment. You know, it's just time to, 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 to look somewhere else. And Mm -hmm. so in my fifth year, that's when I decided, you know, I I was going to, I was going to start looking for that, for that next position. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's when I was fortunate enough to come into Emerson Academy and, um, I was able to, whoo, Learn a lot. <laughs> you know, if it's funny because this podcast, they will understand what that means. Yeah. And I, I so appreciate the next part of the story because it's such a testament to just taking a step back and, and learning a lot about yourself. But going back to your decision to start over, um, you know, sometimes that's the best thing for everybody because you went from being a first year teacher to an um, assistant principal and then the principal and then your entire climate changed. You know, you had your, you know, you said about 90% of your staff turned around. I mean, that's, that's a lot for a young professional to, that's a lot to happen to a young professional. And I can totally respect your decision to say, I need to start with a clean slate. So, so tell us about how that went. <laughs> I'm glad I can laugh about it now. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, I came in very eager to this next position and I very much was ready to take it on the way that I had at the previous location where it was just, you know, I know what I'm capable of. I know what my strengths are and they're just going to love me and I'm going to jump in feet first and we're just going to make things happen. And, um, after the first day, you know, allow all the planning over summer, getting everything ready, super excited. And the first day happened and I had tried to change the pickup procedure at the end of the day. And we thought we had thought of everything and we had communicated it and we, parents were aware it was a nightmare. It was the worst. Ex- I will, I will go to my deathbed with that memory. It was, <laughs> it was so bad. And, you know, so here I am at the end of my first day with the staff having to apologize for the catastrophe that took place and immediately telling them, we're going back to how it was before. We're going to, I'm not changing it anymore. We're going to, we're we're going back to what you guys, you know, you knew and everything. And that was when, um, I realized, so I kind of, I knew I realized something then, but I kept kind of going, you know, I'm I'm also the type, like, you got to keep working through it. Mm-hmm. to get yourself there. And so, you know, I just kind of kept taking things in stride, thinking I was making impressions with parents, making impressions with teachers. And then, you know, all of a sudden the survey, we, we did a uh, uh, teacher surveys, staff surveys, and that was in October. And I got absolutely demolished with the feedback. And really it came down to I hadn't taken the time to build the relationship with my staff first mm-hmm. before I just jumped in and thought, well, they're just going to love me because everybody does. Um, you know, that's what, I'm, that's what I've been told this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, to all of a sudden really get smacked in the face with this information, it was, it was, it was tough. And so that's when I, I made the vow from there. How can I, you know, how am I going to turn this around? What Mm -hmm. am I going to do? Because this is my fault. And so I started going around and talking individually with all the teachers, something I should have done in summer. So I'd said, let's do this now. So I went around, I talked individually, you know, 
asking them the questions. What is making you unhappy? What is it that I can do to help fix that? Um, what would you like to see happen here? You know, all of that stuff to try to recoup what I had lost with them. Um, and I don't think it was too late for some staff members. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, October was too late. Um, so we just kind of had to work together through the year. Others were able to see that I was trying to come from a place where I really genuinely wanted to do right by them Mm -hmm. and, and do what was necessary for the students at Emerson. Um, so yeah, so that first year, uh, (laughs) there's ever been a time I wish I could have a do over. It would be that year. So then I kind of looked at how can I make my second year my do over. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, by the end of the first year, I had gotten feedback where I could. I had listened where I could. But unfortunately, I lost a lot of the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff, again, quickly went into the districts or found other places to work. Um, so then I had to <laughs> put on my positive hat and just say, you know, well, maybe that's the best because then it's a new staff and we can try this again and you kind of did get your do-over then because now you have new staff members to build those relationships first and I have to go back to to you know what do they tell a teacher is the most important part of building a strong classroom culture is build the relationships first right so it's Mm -hmm. it's so funny to me how similar because my husband is a principal, how similar he treats his staff to a teacher treating their students. And when I was in the classroom full time and when I work with students, you know, with schools that I'm consulting for, I always think to myself, number one, how would I want an administrator or a teacher to talk to my daughters? But number two, as students in my class, I want to run my class like a school that I want to work in like an administrator that I want to work for, you know? So if I wouldn't want to be treated a certain way by my boss, then I'm not going to treat my students that way. So I think that's, that's really good reflection for you, you know, like looking back and and thinking about how you were just, you know, nose to the grindstone, we've got a job to do and we're going to, you know, do this to having to step back and say, oh my gosh, I skipped such an, and not because you're a terrible person, but because you just want to do a good job, you know? So you get yes. this, you get this second year, you're in, in year two of this new yes. school and yes. tell us how uh, that it goes. Was, it was much better. Um, you know, unfortunately my reputation, you know, was still somewhat preceding me. So I had to still overcome quite a bit, but it was more of an, of a challenge. It didn't make me go home every day questioning why I was in this role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my second year was more of, okay, I can feel we're on the right trajectory. Keep going you know, keep going, keep, keep talking with them, keep getting the input, um, keep seeing where the necessary changes. Um, and really for the most part, um, you know, it had its ups and downs for sure, but our biggest obstacle really ended up being busing that year. And that was, um, cause we can never get kids picked up on time. And so that just drained the morale of my staff. And so trying to work with something completely out of your control, cause we don't have control over the busing. Right. Um, that was something where it was like, okay, so here I'm already trying to get my life right. <laughs> and then, you know, make sure that I don't have a repeat of the first year. And then I have this huge obstacle that is a hundred percent out of my control, completely weighing on everything I'm trying to do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And so that was tough. That was probably that, that obstacle, as much as it doesn't sound like it would be, when we're saying kids aren't getting picked up from school every day until almost 6 p.m. Oh, and my we goodness. already have an extended day, you know, those kinds of things really, really weighed heavy on on all of us. 
that the morale was, it was, it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. It wasn't good. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I worked diligently making relationships with as many people as I could when it came to transportation. And then they cleaned house in the transportation department with the, (laughs) with the school district we work with. So then I had to start over from there in my third year. But by the time we hit my third year, busing was much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so going into year three, we could feel everything was was better in place. The staff was, you know, we were we were staffed. We had uh, the resources we needed. We had a new game plan that people were buying into. We had more teacher leaders that were on board. Um, and it all came down to how I presented it built the relationships, worked with the relationships, found the leaders within those people because of the relationships I built. And then we were able to work on the projects that were necessary in the building in mm-hmm. order to be successful for the kids. Mm-hmm. So you went through burnout, you know, you said, it, I believe year three, year four of um, just your experience in education in general. So as you move to this new position and you have all of these obstacles to overcome. Did you look at it as just part of your job as an administrator? Or was that something that really sort of made you question your decision? Did did that cause any burnout at all? Or was it just, you know, small hiccups a- along your journey, you know? Um, I would say it was a little bit of both. You know, I'm the type that uh, whenever I come into a situation, I'd like to think I'm leaving it better. So mm-hmm. when I came into the situation, Emerson, I was like, there's a reason I'm coming in here. And so I'm figuring, I'm figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And so I would take the day to day as these are all things I'm just supposed to help find solutions with so that they can get better. And, um, working, you know, with everybody to get those, that that's going to be what really moves us forward. But because I felt so much was going wrong, mm-hmm. then I looked at it as, is it because of me? Is this because of my leadership style? Is this because of my approach? And, you know, did I work well as an administrator at the previous building because everybody just knew me? And realistically, if I try to do this anywhere else, it's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, those first two years, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was questioning that because, you know, ask my husband, the person I was coming home every day was not the person he married in those first two years at the new building because I, I mean, I was, I was working 24 seven. All, you know, and I know all administrators are, but I literally was not putting my phone down because I wanted to make sure I was on top of those emails. I was communicating with management. I was letting them know that I had control of these crazy fires that were happening. Um, you know, I had parents that were literally spewing my name all over social media as much as they possibly could. I, I mean, it was one thing after another. And I had never, I just had never dealt with that kind of negativity, that kind of recourse, that kind of pushback. So, oh yeah, it was a matter of, okay, what am I learning from this? Mm-hmm. And should I really be doing this? <laughs> yeah. So what, so what brought you out of that? How did you said that year three things started to, yep. to change a little bit with the busing and your relationships. And so how did it go from there? I really found, so I was able to actually, and I kind of haven't talked about this part, but you know, I was given the, the very fortunate gift of having four assistant principals when I came to Emerson. And, but unfortunately in my first two years, I was not fully staffed when it came to that. Mm-hmm. And so I was once again, going into my modes that I would go in previously. Cause I was it, you know, I, there was no one else to delegate to. Um, I would have to learn that very precious art of how to delegate, even if I didn't have the assistant. And, um, 
So those first two years, that was another part of that challenge was, well, I didn't have all the assistant principals the way everybody else did. So I felt like that was already, everybody else had an advantage over me because of that. Mm -hmm. And then um, going into my third year though, I finally had my team and, you know, we worked well together. We laughed together. We were able to fill each other's picture. We were able to, you know, keep going with the day-to-day a whole heck of a lot easier uh, than how those first two years went. And it wasn't because of who my assistant principals were at that point. It was just a matter of getting the right team in place. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, everybody I've worked with up to this point are very talented educators and they are in this field for a very good reason. And um, some are meant to be administrators and they quickly learn as a dean that they're not, mm-hmm. you know, that this isn't really what I thought this was going to be. And so for me, it was, I had to let people kind of go through their trial and error before I could find a team. And um, so really going into that summer of the third year and the planning that we were doing, the, you know, having that, that core a lot stronger, um, that really is what helped turn it around for me. Mm-hmm. And um, that allowed me to go in with a much more positive attitude um, of, you know, I really think we're going to get some things done this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. So I I just love your story because it's just it is like fast track, you know? Mm-hmm. And and sometimes sometimes it's good. Certain pers- personalities which it sounds like your personality that worked very well for you. But it also, you know, you learn a lot from being put into these different roles with these different obstacles, different, you know, teacher types and and just just the day-to-day struggle of of being a leader. Um so tell us about what you do now. So, I mean, I know now you are a full-time mom, um, but what is it yep. that, that you're doing in education now and how are you using those learning experiences that you went through as a teacher and administrator? How are you using those lessons to serve people now? So I've really been taking this time to reflect on, you know, I, I look at it, I was given a gift of the time to reflect without, um, the day to day. So now being removed from it, I'm allowing myself to really ask myself, what did I really appreciate about being in the school building day to day? And is, where do I think that's going to take my next step? And as I've been reflecting on that, I've been able to be in my daughter's school and volunteer at parties and just be there. And she's Mm -hmm. actually asking if I can be a teacher at her school now, which is so cute. (laughs) Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I've been able to just see the other side of my life that I've never had that opportunity to do. And Mm -hmm. doing so has, a, I think, given me, like you just said, you need more of those experiences to be able to add to your career experience. Mm -hmm. Well, now working with my kids, I think has grown me tremendously. Right. You see things from the other side of the coin. You know, you are full circle right now. Yep. Yep. And so my hope is that, um, I can use this reflection as I, I, I love teaching. Teaching is just my core. I love no matter what kind of facet I can put it in, whether it's, um, I'm leading a training. I am in front of students. I'm in front of adults. You know, I loved the opportunity when I was able to put together professional developments and get in front of the staff and just have fun with the staff and, you know, try to make staff meetings not as humdrum as normal. And so that was mm-hmm. my challenge, kind of mm-hmm. like what you said, your husband treated it like a classroom. That was my challenge. How do I get every learner in this room engaged in my professional development exactly. and differentiate the instruction um, and keep myself entertaining, you know, the whole thing. And so I, I, that just, I just love doing that. And so I've been looking at ideas of, you know, uh, educational consulting, um, being able to travel and, 
get into various areas and coach other people. Um, but I'm also kind of presenting myself with the challenge of ultimately I've always wanted to be in high school mm -hmm. and, um, you know, my licensure for teaching is 712 ELA. Uh, my principal license is actually 512. So I'm actually kind of hoping I can also make that another challenge. You know, I've been in a K-8 building my entire career. Let's bring on high school. So, yeah, <laughs> so nice. I just, yeah, I'm just kind of making sure to keep myself fresh. I've been, you know, reading the articles, seeing what's up and coming, what, what would make me a fresh pair of eyes coming into whatever building I'm coming into so that I can add new ideas. I can um, be a part of whatever change agent is necessary, but also learning to mm -hmm. pay close attention to what is already in place, what is already working, and really listen to those that have been in the situation longer than I have so that we can make sure we move the train together. That is the perfect lead into my next question, which is, what is your advice for, and let's make this twofold. What is your advice for a teacher who is struggling with their new administrator? Um, or maybe it's a new teacher in a building of an administrator administrator that's been there for a long time. So let's start there. What what advice do you have for educators who are struggling with with their administrator? So I am very big on communication. I feel anytime anything goes wrong, it's based off of some kind of miscommunication, whether mm -hmm. I misread an email, um, I misconstrued uh, an overheard conversation, uh, or I heard it third person <laughs> through the grapevine. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate on if you are feeling uncomfortable, if you are feeling some type of way, um, bring specifics to your principal. Um, one of the hardest things to help find a teacher with solutions was when people would come to me and just be like, I'm unhappy. Okay. So what's making you unhappy? I don't know. I'm just, it's not working. What's not working. I can't mm -hmm. help if I don't specifically know, because I'm going to start assuming what you're going to need help with. And then that's probably not what you need help with. Right. So if you're, if you're going to ask for guidance, if you're going to ask for help, try to get yourself specific in the area. If it's, I feel like I'm drowning. Okay. What is it? The paperwork that's drowning you. Is it, um, I'm actually feeling really intimidated because I don't really know how to talk to the parents. Can I get more help on how to talk to the parents? Because I feel I'm whatever the case may be, get yourself reflected enough to know specifics so that when you come to your administrator, they're going to take you serious mm -hmm. and they're going to be able to help figure out the solution together. Yeah. That would be my advice. I am so glad that you said this because this, this is good affirmation for me because in the burden teacher small group program, when I work with teachers who are struggling with burnout, that's our first step. That's what be and burned in means. It's begin where you are, like really identify what is your core struggle? Because just saying I'm just burned out. Well, yes, I, you're validated. You're, you're feeling crummy about your job, but in order to fix this and make and help you to make your next best step, we really need to make sure that we know what it is that is your your current reality and where this struggle started. So I'm really glad to hear you say that. So now let's let's go to the other side of this. What is your advice to a struggling administrator who like you look at them and you you see yourself in in that position? What is your advice to them? Um, you have to find um, a core because being an administrator is a very lonely position because you are giving, you're giving, being given directions from the people above you. Um, even the teachers are giving you directions. You're getting directions from parents. You're getting directions from students. You're, I mean, 
you are literally like a waitress without a tablet to write down everyone's <laughs> order. And, you know, if you don't write it down, you're definitely going to forget. Mm -hmm. And so what I would highly recommend is, you know, whether it's a group of other principals that you can talk with, uh, former administrators, some way to build a core. One of the things that really helped me out was my mentor. Um, she actually was my mentor through my educational leadership program. Um, cause I went back to school. I guess I should have said that I went back to school. My first two years as principal, I went back again to get a master's in educational leadership. And I had to make sure I had a mentor through that program mm -hmm. and she has stayed my mentor. She still is my mentor. Um, and we had the ability to be able to work together at um, my previous school because she retired and rehired. So mm -hmm. I was able to bring her in as a part of my staff. And we were able to work together. <laughs> That's but great. he and I, when we were principals would, we would make sure to meet for lunch, mm -hmm. you know, just, just take a, just take a lunch together and talk about what's going on and then getting that other perspective from other people. Because a lot of times, you know, the teachers are going to sit there and want to know your information mm -hmm. and you're going to think, wow, I really could probably confide in this teacher. Don't do it. <laughs> um, find, find the people that are at, you know, that administrative level that understand what it is to be an administrator because you do need someone that can, you can bounce those ideas off of that. You can talk through your burnout, your problem, your, because a lot of times it is very hard as a, as a, new principal as one that is struggling to find an answer um, mm -hmm. because the information doesn't stop. It keeps being dumped on you. Mm -hmm. um, and there is no time. There is no time to not know. Right. So right. I, that, that would be, I think what I would, would definitely at the beginning recommend for anybody coming, even coming into it, you know, if people were choosing to leave the the teaching profession to become an administrator, here's what I would first recommend that you, <laughs> that mm -hmm. you do. Make sure you just, Build, build a core for yourself because, um, you have administrators don't get the accolades. Administrators don't get the positive feedback. And so you have to find people around you that are going to give that to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the same advice for teachers, you know, you need to have Absolutely. a good, strong, uh, PLN for yourself too, you know, because you just can't, you can't relate to an administrator's struggles. You know, you can go to them whenever you know exactly what you're struggling with. But as far as day-to-day -day support, it's really important to have that, that core circle of mentors around you and being mm -hmm. selective about who it is that you're hanging around with. I talk yeah. about this in, in the program too, about, you know, really finding your your teacher brand, identifying your teacher brand and making sure you're associating with other teachers that will support that brand for you. Because just venting is not asking for support. <laughs> Those are two different things. Allison, we're going to move into the last part of the burned in teacher interview. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to do a burned in teacher, this or that lightning round. Okay. Okay. So I'm just going to give you a couple of choices and you just let us know which one you would choose on the spot. Okay. All right. Soup or sandwich? Sandwich. All right. Book or ebook? Book. All right. And finally, ninjas or pirates? Ooh, ninjas. Having littles, you may, you know, especially a young boy, and I don't want to, you know, gender categorize here, but, you know, ninjas or pirates may be in your future. They might already be around. I don't know. 
Well, what's hilarious is my daughter, she is very much into ninjas because of, I think it's the Ninjagos, the Lego Ninjagos. Oh, yes. And for someone that has never taken a class, she is pretty on point. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Good for her. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Allison, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing your story and all of the lessons that you've learned. Well, Amber, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to share it. Anytime. Thanks again. You know, what I appreciate most about Allison's story in this conversation that I had with her is her open vulnerability and honesty towards her reflection on her career so far um, in education. So several of my takeaways really have to do with what she said at the end of the interview, such as number one, finding a strong core finding people around you that can relate to where you are in your career at that exact moment that you are seeking support or advice for different struggles that you're having. And this doesn't just apply to administrators. This applies to teachers as well. Another takeaway I have is that whenever you are seeking that support, that you are very intentional about what that core struggle is before you sit down in front of your administrator to say, this isn't working. I'm burned out. Be ready to be specific about what it is that you need the most support with because going to your administrator and simply sitting down and telling them how frustrated you are and ticked off about everything is not going to help you solve the problem. So really do some sitting down and like I've said before in previous episodes, really do some brain dumping on what it is that you're really struggling with and maybe even play what I call the why game, which is you have this struggle. Okay, why are you struggling with this thing? Okay, why is that? Okay, why is that? You know, get down to the bottom of it. The third thing that I took away from her is sometimes you just have to start with a clean slate. You have to start over again. And I can 100% relate to that um, realization that Allison had at one point in her career. This topic came up a little bit a couple of weeks ago in the episode where I was talking with Rachel about our our previous school that we worked at together, you know, she and I both felt that we had burned enough bridges at the school that we were at that we just needed a place to start fresh. And I can tell you that it was it was really, really nice to go somewhere and have a clean slate where no one really knew you. They didn't really know any backstories. You got to start out just brand new. And and that can be really helpful sometimes when you've had a, a large struggle at the school that you're at. And I know that's not a possibility for everyone in every single situation, but it is a possibility for some. And I'm never going to be an advocate for you to say that you started at the school, you have to tough it out and you have to end your career at the school as well. Sometimes moving to a new school corporation or even a new building within the corporation can make a world of difference. Another takeaway that I got from this excellent interview was the fact that administrators are humans just like teachers. I've said this before, but I really feel that this fact was highlighted in this interview. Allison was figuring it out and learning as she went, just like teachers do and just like our students do. And we have to show them a little grace. When they make a mistake, imagine how you would want your principal or your students to show you grace as you admit to your faults and your mistakes and those learning opportunities that come from simply trying things and, of course, learning when things don't go the way that you thought that they would. And always, always, always seek for understanding if your principal is putting something into motion that you don't feel that you fully understand. My biggest takeaway from this interview 
is the simple act of being reflective. You know, last week, Danny Sunshine Bauer, he he said that it's really important for yourself to ask yourself some gut check questions. And Allison was a great testament to that advice from Danny. Have some tough conversations with yourself. Be realistic. How do people behave around you when you walk into a building or into a room? What do you want them to say about you? Either out loud when you're not around and someone brings your name up, or what are they thinking whenever you walk into that room or they see you coming down the hallway? Sometimes that can be classified as judgment, but I like to refer to it as your teacher brand. And when we talk about this in the small group program, there are a lot of light bulbs that go off because I ask you to reflect on things like, what are you known for? What adjectives would people use to describe you? Because if you're asking yourself those gut check questions and you don't like the answers, it's time for you to start changing some things within yourself before you sit down and have that conversation with your administrator about either needing to understand or the fact that you're struggling with something in their school. That's it for this week's episode of the Burned In Teacher Podcast. Until next week, take a deep breath. You are your own hero. And you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on. If you want to be updated on the latest burned in teacher podcast episodes, don't forget to subscribe to the burned in teacher podcast on Google Play or iTunes. Also, please consider leaving a review and leave a rating so that other teachers who are feeling the burnout can find this podcast to help them feel supported as they continue their journey out of burnout. Thanks so much.